At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Alright, welcome back to the Outdoor Tribe Podcast. Happy New Year! Yes, it is a new year, new me, new you. How is that going? Episode 225 with your host, East Coast Trev, and I'm joined with the madman himself, Madman Mardik. Woo! Happy New Year! It's crazy. I feel like we just recorded a New Year's Eve special yesterday. <laughs> you know, it's funny as you That's ring crazy. in the new year and we get towards the end of the of the year, shit goes wrong, right? Like things just cannot be right. Like I just don't get it. Like, you know, we've had just a year of crappiness and then we got a swift kick right in the shins as it comes down to it. We actually recorded the podcast then lost the podcast. My computer broke. Like you, it just it just cannot get any better. But you know what? We're here, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing rolling live, dude. So, what's up, Marty? I, like, I feel like we're just ending the year as the whole year kind of went. It's kind of par for the course. Of just you know, catastrophe after catastrophe. But we keep rolling. We keep taking a licking and keep on ticking. It is, and you know, with the big plans for the 2024, I, I'm actually. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to start the year off right. We're back at ATA. Myself after, fuck, dude, I haven't been there since 2019 was the last time that I was there. So we'll start it off right, and we'll start by going there and seeing what's up, dude. So it was good. I, I You know, as a recap, you know, I screw it. I'm not even going to get into it. Um, A recap of the season, I'm definitely thankful for the ones that we've worked with throughout the season. And one of the things that kind of makes them all important is is we 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 choose the ones that we work with very selectively, right? So like Huntworth. Huntworth is one of those they are the title sponsors of the Outdoor Drive, the only camel that we wear here. And it's because we believe with them, believe in them. We're able to reach out and have conversations with Karen and Nate Sellers and all the people and all the staff of Huntworth and work with those guys so closely. And we actually believe in them. And it's the same with Latitude and it's the same with Nor'easter and it's the same with Bowhunting United, like, it's just the way that it goes. Like, we pick and choose them very selectively. We're not just doing it to do it. So, like, we can't thank them, and we wouldn't have had a great 2023 season if it wasn't for those guys, honestly. I mean, they're the ones that, that helped us out and made us feel better, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I can honestly say, and I you don't see this very often throughout the hunting industry, I can honestly say sp- – sponsor or not sponsor 
I would still be using the same gear I'm using today. So I'm not using it because they're a sponsor. If Latitude was not a sponsor, I would still be rocking a Latitude saddle, platforms, and sticks. If Hauntworth wasn't a sponsor, I'd still be wearing Hauntworth gear. Well, and by choice. Yeah, absolutely by choice. Right. It was, it was, you know, I worked with Latitude for a little bit and then we didn't, they had their trials and tribulations. We did whatever. We kind of rekindled our relationship and then ended up working with each other. But we both had this same exact conversation where like, even if we don't end up like signing a contract with them, we're still going to use their stuff. Like, I'm still going to use the Carbon SS Sticks. I'm still, you know, like, honestly, we didn't even know that if we were going to work with them. And I went and bought the Carbon SS Sticks. So I bought a set of them. Then later on selling them after I had gotten my set through the sponsorship, like, there was a reason for that. Because I believed in them and it was something I wanted to use. Like, I'm not afraid to buy a product and, and, you know, that's one of the things, I mean, that kind of you know, I know it's kind of personal and stuff, but like it, I would still buy all that stuff. Like I still buy products all the time. I don't care about sponsorship aspect. Like we have sponsorships with certain people, but I don't even tell the people that we're sponsored with. And I still buy stuff from them because right, I yeah. want it. Yeah. Like it's just the way I, that it goes. I'll tell you what, the, those sticks are so incredible. I'm like a little kid. I still, every single time I go into the woods, I still like, chuckle a little bit when i start setting them up because i just love them so much as soon as i break them out and start putting them on the tree i'm like these things are amazing well it's so i sold mine to uh chris Bittman and i met up with them and stuff and i told him about them and whatever else and then he sent me a message he's like dude i'm so glad that i got these sticks from you like i love these things like they are awesome and i was like i told you man like they're just packable they're light they're user friendly. Like it's just amazing. And you know, it's funny is you like you, you look through all of the, the forums and all this stuff and guys are talking about them and like compared to other brands that are out on the market, like there's very minuscule bad reviews on them, maybe one or two or whatever, but like there's very little bad things said about them. And that's, that's all the products that we use. That's like Huntworth. Like, we use that because we believe in it. Like that product is a product where one of the things, you know, and it's, I pride on this and I've made this mistake and now changed my outlook on it. Like when I say something, because, you know, you have to remember the listenership comes to us for advice, right? Like not real, like they're listening to learn something or just hear stupid shit that comes out of our mouths, probably more, that's probably 90% of it, but 10% of it, they're then, you know, we talk about these products all the time. And I would hate to ever meet up with somebody or see somebody at a show or whatever the case may be, or even, you know, on the Facebook page where the guy would be like, uh, Trev said that that was the greatest call in the world and I got it and it sounds like a squirrel but it's really supposed to be a turkey. Like I pride on that. Like I know when I say Huntworth is the warmest piece of equipment that I wear sub zero, I believe in that. And I, it actually is the truth. The things that come out of my mouth, I'm not going to say like, Oh, I'm sponsored by X company and I wear their stuff sub sub zero, but it's actually only rated for like 55. Like I would never do that because it's like, If I'm not going to wear it or I'm not going to use it in that situation, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to tell you that. 
Like, mm. I'll just not, you know? So, like, those things we actually believe in. And that's one of the things with, like, Heat Boost. Like, Heat Boost is one of those products. Like, dude, when you walk in, if you have to walk more than 200 yards, don't ever put Heat Boost on. You will die. Like, that's, mm. you know, you'll sweat. Like, literally sweat to death. Like, not a good idea. You know what? A new piece from uh, Huntworth that turned into being one of my favorite and most worn pieces this year. It surprised you you're not going to get it right. The new bibs. I know yes. Yeah. The Elkins bibs, dude. Because as far as keeping warm, my legs don't usually get cold. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I, my, my upper body, my core, I have to take care of more than my legs. So, like, even on the colder days of November and early December, I may wear a heat boost upper jacket mm-hmm. or, the or, you know, or like, maybe an Elkins jacket with, like, a heat boost vest over it. Mm-hmm. But I wore those Elkins bibs a ton this mm-hmm. year. And especially in the saddle, it's sweet having those bibs because you can't – nothing can ride up on your back between the saddle and all that stuff. Like, I I was thoroughly impl- impressed with those Elkins bibs. I'd have to agree. And I, and I think, you know, the hoodies – now having a heat boost hoodie was a big thing. Yeah. Um. I, I then the Elkins bibs were definitely one of those pieces of equipment that are like, oh, I have to have it. Like, I you know, it's it's funny. Like, as far as like the years go on, like if you were to think three years ago, the gear that I had three years ago to the gear that I have today, I feel as if I can confidently hunt any situation with the stuff I have and be very comfortable. Like, the clothing, the saddle equipment, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've, you know, both of us have gone from being stand hunters, like, 100% stand hunting out of a ladder stand to then mobile hang and bang to now fully saddle hunting over a course of six years, seven years, you know what I'm saying? Like, constantly in the saddle. Like, I am strictly a saddle hunter. I very rarely do I have maybe two presets. Like mm. I don't, and it and that equipment that I'm using is next to none. Probably some of the best equipment that there is, and I believe in that equipment. Like I'm super mobile, and one of the things that adds to it, right, is like I'm filming, so that gear weighs so much. So I have to have very light gear and that's where the carbon sticks come in that's where the rebel platform comes in super light packable i need to keep it small and that's you know you're loading it up in that hickory pack and it all fits nice small light and it wears well like it's just it all works together we have like the most uniform um system system it's literally a system and it's we've built a uniform system in my opinion so I I was I was excited, dude. Like it was it was good going in and knowing I was gonna be warm. Yeah, that my shit was gonna work right. It had yeah. a you know, like there's nothing like going to a tree and being like, Oh, this is gonna suck, right? Yeah, it's funny because every night we so I'm I'm everybody that's mobile is pretty much like this, right? Like everything has a place in the backpack. Mm-hmm. Like the release always goes here, the headlamp always goes here. You know, your quivers here on your bow, your sticks go here, your platform. Like, everyone's got their own spot, right? <clears throat> and everything doesn't always get put back absolutely perfect at the end of a hunt. So the night before I go hunting, I always go through everything, make sure everything's wrapped up perfect, everything's put away. 
but it's funny because every morning when I get up and I get ready to hunt and I'm putting on my hunt worth and I'm grabbing my, all my gear, like I feel like it's Saturday morning before a high school football game. Like I'm going, it's game time, baby. And you're putting up all your gear, you're taping up, you're ready to go. And Mm -hmm. I just get excited every single time because my gear's so good. I just love every single thing I have, like genuinely. And I just feel, I just feel like I'm ready for anything. I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. And and one of the things, like, you know, this season for myself, right, like going into the deer season, like not having a lot of scouting time because, you know, with the new job and fishing and not having that August, that July, that June, like Mm. it killed me. It absolutely killed me. So, like, when – September came, October came, November came, and I would go to the back of the truck. I knew confidently that I was going into the woods, and the least of my problem was making sure that I had the right stuff for the job that I was trying to do, right? And I think that, you know, as a whole, and you guys that are listeners that listen all the time, like, know that I was going into the into the season to just hunt good woodsmanship right like there was no intel there was no hunting but one of the things that set it aside was not having to worry about the tools that i had to to do it like i could just hunt and and hunt in the back of my mind the way that i wanted to hunt like i could go in follow sign this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tacovis is your stop for the best in western style tacovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more all tacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend and tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And hunt. And I did get stuck up. Like we found, you know, scouting together. We got, and it was, it was an X. Like it was just a, a full blown X as we would say in the waterfowl world. Like I was in the zone dude like just going in finding that area working that area um from e-scouting with steve and like it was it dude it was dead on like i've never been in the position other than hunting in the midwest where i've seen that many deer in hunts like no way bro like i literally thought i was in the midwest at some points with the amount of deer that i actually saw like i was blown away i don't think there was a hunt that I didn't see two to three deer every single hunt that I hunted. Right, yeah. Like it was, it was wild. Like in the, and I literally, I only hunted one property the whole entire season. Like literally hunted one property. It's a big piece of property, but like I hunted certain small little spots in within that property and was on deer every single time. And I didn't have to worry about stupid things with my gear. Like I, 
it was just on, dude. It was just, it was nice to have everything, you know, just kind of put together and just be able to hunt, you know, like I didn't run cameras. I ran two cameras all season, dude. And that's not normal for me. Like I own 12 cell cameras. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was nice. It was cheap on the pocket because I didn't have to buy batteries and plans dude, and I everything. I a ton of batteries this year. I will say this. Well- more than usual. I don't know if it's because I was just getting more pictures than usual, but there was some cameras where it's like, Jesus, the battery's already at 40% already? I, I don't know what was... Maybe China's just making some shitty batteries now. I don't know. I'm super impressed with the Moultrie Edge system. Yeah. I, I will say that, that the Moultrie Edges, with all the cameras I've ever ran, I've been running Moultries now for two year, three years. Um, I had some of their older products. And I got two edges. I bought two edges this year because I was I had to let my other one soak. So I just ended up just buying Big two. Yeah, I had to go and get two, uh, two new. Uh, they had them on sale at Cabela's. Like it was like a hundred nine yeah. bucks for two, um, uh, Moultrie edges. So I went and I bought the Moultrie edges. And I'll tell you this is I put those cameras in October thirty first. Or October, I'm sorry, October 29th. I put them October 29th. Today is December almost 31st, 30th. And I will tell you this, that those cameras still have 80% or better on batteries. It's wild. Now, do you put 8 or 16 in? So I put 16 batteries yeah. in. Alkaline. Yeah. Well, all right. I did not run lithiums inside of them. No, me neither. And I didn't. Dude, do you know how many times I would have to go in and change batteries on any other brand other than those? Like even the Moultries, the other Moultries, I'd have to change them two or three times in a season. Mm. And I was blown away. I'm like, dude, this is hands down. I will sell every single camera and only have Moultrie edges because I am so happy with them and their products. Their HD videos, like what a fucking product, dude. They build that little algorithm for you too, which is cool. So check this out. So I got, I'm a tactic cam guy. I have five tactic cams. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. They don't, you know, I'm a fan. That's, that's my company that I use. Right. I right. want a Moultrie edge at hunt stock right. on the, right. the, you know, the, uh, insider party, the night, yeah. you know, that Thursday night. I came home from hunt stock. I put my new Moultrie edge on my scrape. Big, you know, just say it's a good spot. Active. I put it in September. No, that's a lie. I'm sorry. Let me go back. The first picture it took. There's there's me right there. That's a good looking guy right there. August twentieth was okay. the first picture taken. There's eighty five percent battery today. And do you run six or sixteen or eight or sixteen? Sixteen. Yep. Eighty-five percent. That's insane. Do you know how many times I? How many photos did that take? Uh, a lot. It should tell you. I don't know if it'll tell me. Um, it should tell you. I don't know. But anyways, but you figure you figure an entire deer season, and you're still at eighty something percent. That's what I'm saying. Like, dude, dude, I've got I've got tacticams that took half the amount of pictures, and I've changed batteries three times since Mm -hmm. then. I, I'm blown away. I'm blown away with it because like mine too, like one of my, one of mine. So one of the two Moultrie edges, one of them's in a shit spot 
it got a ton of pictures, but they were dumb pictures, like useless, right? But the other one was on, we'll say, it was A, on on a game trail where a ton of deer came through, and B, it was on a scrape, so it was super active all the time, and like, that thing probably took close to a thousand pictures over mm. the over the over the course of the couple months that it was in there, and it's like I said, it's over eighty percent. We got to remember too, whether you're requesting it or not, it's still taking that fifteen second video every time too. Yeah, so I do picture and video. Yeah, right. yeah. So like, yeah, and and the other thing too is being a Tacticam guy. When I won the Moultrie. I was kind of thinking about selling it or trading it. Yeah, I would have bought it from you. Get another Tacticam mm-hmm. to add another Tacticam to my plan. It's a lot easier to just add yeah. another Tacticam to your current plan mm-hmm. than to start a whole other plan with Moultrie. But um, I needed the camera. I didn't have time to really dick around. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to run it, see, see what happens. You know, sign up for the Moultrie Edge plan or whatever. And, dude, I'm kind of sold. Like, I might, be, I might be trying to sell my Tacticans to get more Moultrie I, Edges. I'm blown away with the product. I really am. And it's not one that's, like, we work with or anything like that. But, like, I truly, honestly believe in the product. Like, hands down, great product. I mean, it. it's good. And I used Moultrie before, dude. Like, I, I've been using Moultrie for years. But the Edge is probably – it's the cheapest on the market and the best, hands down. I mean, the plan's yeah. a little bit more, I guess, but the only thing it. I'm curious about, and you can shut is, it off. That's one of the things with it; you can shut it off monthly. Right. The only thing I'm curious: there's no SD card. No. Which is that's nice. Good. It's kind of good, right? But how many times have you heard people? Spy Point was big for it, and you hear talks about it with Tacticam too, where like, oh, it doesn't send you all the pictures. You know what I mean? Like you, pu- you'll pull a Spy Point. And you pull the card at the end of the season, you put it in your computer and you start going through and every once in a while you'll see a picture and you're like, I never got that picture. That never, that picture never got sent to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So you could shit on spy point for it because it's not sending you all the pictures. Unfortunately, you don't know if Moultrie sent all the pictures yeah. or not because there's no way to confirm it. Cause you don't have that SD card backup. So maybe you're getting all the pictures, maybe not, but there's no way to tell. Yeah, you'll never true. know if it ever missed anything. But what you don't know can't hurt you, so I guess. I think uh, – I'm not sure, and we'll have to do some a little bit of research on it, but I think you can directly connect it to your computer. So it has to have a built-in SD card. It just doesn't have a removable SD card. Correct. Yeah. So you could technically still – I don't know. I have to mess around with it and play with it, and we'll come back on that. But I yeah, think is – I mean, I, I have – I came back from Huntstock. I took it out of the box. I put 16 batteries in. It's been in a tree ever since. I spent 30 seconds with the thing. Yeah. So my question is this, right? So as, you know, as the season comes to the end, what, and I'll answer these same questions, but like, what did you, you think, what do you think, what do you think that you did right during the season? What do you think you did wrong? And what would you do differently? Ooh, good question. I knew you were going to ask that though. Um, <laughs> you did. What it, no, I, 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 I sense oh. it. I knew where you were going. Oh, okay. You I'm like, what? No, you uh, didn't. <laughs> what, what was the question again? <laughs> you knew it. You sensed it. So fuck it. No. <laughs> it was uh, three parts, dude. You gotta give me. All one right. Part so what? Did, what did you do right in your season to be successful? What did you do wrong in your season to be successful? And what would you all change? Right. I feel being super mobile with with the saddle and mm-hmm. everything. I was able to bounce around tree to tree, you know, 
uh, you know, I'm a big wind player. So every day, depending on the wind, I'm getting pretty dialed in with predicting thermals and knowing what the mm -hmm. wind direction is and what the thermals are supposed to do. I can kind of predict all that. So I was able to hop around from tree to tree and always put myself in a safe area to not overpressure my spots. Mm -hmm. Because of that, I saw a ton of deer. And I got a ton of sits in this year, right? And even as, you know, you know, you get into like mid to late December, a lot of times your sightings start to go down, especially if you're in timber and you're not like hunting a, a green food source or, a, or winter rye or something like that. I'm still seeing like seven to nine deer per sit in the timber. So to me, that's good that late in the season, right? So I didn't overpressure to that sense. Um, what I did wrong was I, dude, I was all in on one spot this year. Mm -hmm. And I knew it going in 100%. I wasn't oblivious to it. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember recording with Greg Staggs and he was talking about the hop around method and, you know, you need to have multiple shooter bucks and multiple areas on multiple properties. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> yep. I didn't. And I knew it. Right. And I could have, I know I could have found other shooter bucks in different areas and had more options, but I don't think I would have found anything on the caliber of what I was looking for. So it was kind of hard to get up and go head East to hunt one caliber mm -hmm. of deer when I knew there was another caliber of deer West. So I definitely, I don't want to say over pressured because like I said, I still had, I had quality sits every time I sat, but I definitely like burnt myself out on one deer, one property. Didn't really, I might've changed the look up in different trees, yeah. in different sections, but I definitely didn't, I definitely didn't hunt a lot of different properties like I normally normally do. Like historically, yeah. you know, I have four or five solid places that I hop around to and I just pounded one spot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback because I you know, going into the season, right, like I had a big outlook on what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to do the hop around, was gonna hunt a bunch of different mm. public, was gonna do a ton of different things. And then kind of you know so what i did right was i hunted hard and i i hunted the pieces where i wanted to hunt i hunted them properly and was able right. to put myself into the position and then hunting the sign i wanted to hunt the sign what was fresh and what was happening right then and there mid-october on them november on them like in the right spots one of the things that i did wrong was not even that it was wrong but I finally got into the caliber of deer, into the caliber of deer that I wanted to fucking shoot for the season, and then I got stuck on that. So it was like, I'm here, that's a shooter, and I. the thing is, I, and the thing that I did wrong was, I fucking missed. Like, it, it was it was there, right? Like, yeah. so the only thing I did wrong was I missed, right? And I guess it I guess it, we'll call that great because I shot at the target deer that I was after for the season once I found him and I was in his zone and I shot at him 
the end of October, the prime days in November, you know, and then I seen them two other times after that. So I was in the zone, but I got so stuck up on that. And then after I had missed and I, so I had seen them twice and then I just hunted that deer hard and I just tried and tried and tried to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. And then the season kind of fell apart for me where the one thing that I would change would just be time, right? Like having the time and the more sits in the woods, right? So as the season progressively came on into the heavy teens and low twenties of November, like I was caught up in work, man. Like, you know, and it sucks, but like, that was just what the year brought for me. Like not having the taxidermy business and having to focus on other things in life, like just life itself, just kind of, kind of put it, where I wasn't able to hunt it hard. Right. Um, and I didn't hunt shotgun really maybe more than one or two sits and I muzzle or hunted once. Like, and I think that that was the only thing like, and I, I, dude, I'm super, I was super happy with the deer that I shot this year. I shot, you know, I shot a nice doe for the freezer and I shot an eight pointer, which was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. So like, you can't say that it wasn't bad, but the one thing I did wrong was I I fucking missed and, you know, playing it back, like you can blame it on self filming and not. And I, yeah, I shot over my arm and I instinctively, you know, just kind of jerked back, I guess maybe one of the things, but after playing it back in my head, he was at 28 yards and I rolled the pin to 30. So two yard difference and then jerking back, thinking that you're going to shoot over the arm. I mean, there's your difference right there. Right. And that's one of the things that kind of went wrong, but I can't complain, dude, like going back on the footage constantly and all the deer, a lot of small young bucks and stuff. But knowingly now if the food source and everything stays good i know it's a good rut funnel for next year so that deer is in my opinion dead um as far as like i'm gonna see him you know what i'm saying like and he was a young buck i mean he was probably three and a half four and a half years old he's he's gonna be something this year this coming up season i'm looking forward to that and i want to go in and find his sheds do you think that because because of the lack of scouting in that spot, um, you had hunted that that section of woods earlier, right? But but uh, not as deep, we'll say. Yeah. Do you think that the and there's other people hunting there too? This is public. Do you think the earlier season pressure that you and other people put on that for we'll call it uh, spot A? Do you think it pushed those deer back? And as your your quality of sits diminished in spot A, you relocated them in spot B? Or do you think they were already in B and you just found them there? I think – so I think a lot of the things with, with B is uh, – or spot two, right? I think that the spot with that is that that's – as I started to get into that layer – that layer was more, and I by the time that I got into that layer, we were getting into that pre-rut, right? Ec, you know, spot. So it it's a very good pre-rut spot. But in seeing the sign, the way that the sign laid there, that there was a lot of rutting sign in there. So it's a more of a Just rut spot. Historical, historical. historical. Yeah. The amount of scrapes and rubs that are in there, like it's it's definitely. It's in between beddings, and I think that it's it's that, I guess that 
that area where like they they just mend together, right? Where like those bucks start to show up in there, their traveling corridor from one spot to another spot, like the way that the lay of the land is. So do going back on the question, I think that those deer were already in B. I think that the deer that I was after in A, in A definitely had a lot to do with pressure, whether it was my pressure or other people's pressure. I don't know. That deer never showed up back on those spots. I had that camera. That camera still sits in there. Yeah, I never saw the quality of deer that that was in there. I never seen that deer. Like, that deer never showed back up on camera. But don't think for one second that September 1st or, right. or August that I'm not going to have a camera in there and have a different move on him. He might move. He might live there. He might winter there. Velvet and then blow out of there once he starts to hardhorn. So that might be the right. case, too, where well, that's his his summoning spot. That was the other thing I was thinking, too, with spot A. Um, I don't want to spot burn because I it's know okay. there's people on there on hunt stand right now. Like, I know where they're talking about. Um, relation to ag in spot yeah. A, uh, water um, and, and bedding, it's a perfect spot for that summer, early season pattern, right? Yeah, and then a little, a little, then the season opens. They go hard horn. A little bit of pressure from you and other people hunting that first layer. Then spot B transitions to your classic, you know, oak woods flat. Mm-hmm. The, the, the acorns are dropping. You're into the hardwoods. The scrapes start popping up. So, I, I, I mean, obviously we're gonna get in there and actually scout it because this spot has very little scouting, very little boots on the ground. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think a little, a little postseason scouting, some shed hunting, really uh, pick it apart this winter. I I almost dare say you could go back to that and hunt it exactly like you hunted it this year. Mm-hmm. Spot, you know, start in that first layer, see what happens, and then when you get back into that, we'll say mid October when the oaks are really dropping, and then move back to that hardwood hardwoods flat you know and the other thing too is like that caliber of deer that that we was laying down the sign right say that caliber deer that we saw laying down the sign that was laying down there was only two or three of them that showed up on camera and one of them and was never in spot a so maybe that deer could have been put in to spot b and we don't know that that's him but we've yet to see him on camera in spot A, there was only one deer that had shown up in both spots, spot A and spot B, um, over the time that the cameras were out there. And it was like late November that they showed up on the scrape in spot B and then showed up on the scrape in spot A. So, and he's. Oh, sh- okay. I remember that because so, we were looking at the timestamps yeah. and how much time was between the two pictures and trying to figure out what ground he covered. <laughs> And one of the things with that is, like, it's cool to watch that, like, that having the camera there and there and only being, like, a mile, mile and a half away from one another. Like, who, like, how long it took to get from spot A to spot B. Did they do a direct run there? Did that Mm. deer, was there deer, is that a normal travel corridor from them from spot A to spot B? So, like, I guess for me, like, and, and there being two different ways, like having ag, water, swamp, and then having straight hardwood swamp, like to kind of see 
if the same deer are in spot A to spot B, and there really weren't. Right. Like there right. really was, there was very few same interactions with the same deer over a mile, mile and a half, right? Like kind of wild to me, right? Um, and definitely having, you know, there's definitely does in both spots, right? Like heavy doe population in both spots. So like you would think that like maybe the bucks would go in both spots. Um, but I, I was just blown away that, that in, in the show, like that those mature bucks, like when you start to put like a serious amount of pressure on them, like I made it went too hard or somebody else could have went too hard. The other thing that comes along with it is other pressured hunters, not only deer hunters, but other style of hunters. Um, there was pheasants. What? Joggers. Joggers. There yeah, was joggers. There was guys going in there pheasant hunting. Um, uh, yeah. What bird hunting? What were they hunting with the dogs? That I don't. They think were bird pheasant. hunting. Yeah, they're bird hunting. They're, they're or like small game hunting. Small game hunting, and then you have waterfowl hunters that go in there, and like, so it's it's one of those things that puts the pressure on like if they're in that swamp and that buck is bedded in that swamp and he feels uncomfortable with those guys shooting at ducks, like, or they're shooting at small game or rabbits or mm. whatever. I mean, it kind of puts the pressure on and then changes it. And, and it's just, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rule it out. Like we found some great stuff in there that might be a good September hunt. You know what I'm saying? Like right. until the pressure starts to build on. Yes, one that's one thing that I've learned the last couple of years, and you kind of experienced it this year. I got to give a shout out to who uh, crushed this this year was actually teammate Lou. Is you find that like we'll call it spot A, where not just your spot A, but anybody's yeah. spot A. Like this is the spot. Like he's killable. And I'm talking public land, right? Mm-hmm. The the chance unless it's like open opening day or opening week you're not going to kill them on spot a because everybody hunting that public knows about spot a Mm -hmm. you've got to be one step ahead of the game because you have to know where that as soon as the pressure is on where that deer is going to go next that second layer once once the hunting season opens and that's how lou killed his second buck he didn't go to that first spot he went he anticipated where the buck was going to go after the pressure and I and that, think that that's one of those things with mobile hunting, right? Like, right. And, and as as I myself start to mature as a mobile hunter, right? Like, in learning different things is, like, following that sign. Like, knowing that the deer, the features of what the deer will do when the pressure is put on and almost hunting your neighbors, right? Like, and this, this goes not only for mobile public land guys, but private land guys, too, where, like, you can, as long as you pay attention to what is going on with the pressure from other people, like, you then know where the deer are going to be. Like, sometimes, like, anticipation. Like, we do this a ton, and we don't even know it. Like, as far as, like, for us, a lot of the public land has a lot of upland hunting in it, right? Where, like, there's mm-hmm. upland fields, and guys are going to be dog dog with dogs running around in there putting scent in bumping things around moving things around and those normally like early season like those are normal crp fields right and so those deer live close to those areas and as the season progressively goes on and we get into those early teens of october like they start to pheasant hunt in them those yeah. deer don't you leave in a lot of basically you basically have six weeks 
September 15th to the third Saturday in October. Right. But one of the things that a lot of people do is they go, oh, they're pheasant hunting there. So, like, the deer aren't going to be there. Well, let me, let, me, let me let you in on a secret. Those deer don't go anywhere. Those deer just use different travels. They're sneaking through in smaller areas. They're not right. they're not daylighting in those areas or living close to those areas, but they go through there. I promise you that. And I, there's a right. lot of areas that I've hunted over the years and even like even pheasant hunting, but like I know that those deer are in there. Like I'll go in there and hunt those areas. I hunt those thickets inside of it those pinch points inside of it like those deer still travel through there they're not going to change their total area they just change their area within their area i guess if we could put it that way like i know that for a fact as far as like i used to be a big upland hunter and like how many times i would run a dog through a swamp on the backside of a bird field and i would bump deer out of it and it's like Dude, it's almost Thanksgiving. Like, those deer didn't leave. Like, they're still there. Right. They're just a little bit deeper. Or they're running the outsides of it. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could name a ton of public land that I could go and shoot a doe on any given day of the week in middle of October during pheasant season. And them deer are still in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going anywhere. They're just moving. Is there going to be a mature buck in there? Maybe not. But there's definitely still deer traffic in there, in my opinion. Or right. or you're hunting those bird areas like, you know, we both do it, where we hunt the backsides of these areas that we know, like opening day of pheasant right. season, I'm yeah, going to be here. Be. Yeah, because it's a little deer drive going on <laughs> yeah, up there. Exactly. That, that's what I tend to do a little bit more of. So you have like that first layer of bedding closest to those we'll call them ag fields right which is basically low quality hay for the most part mm -hmm. and the deer have been summer there you know all summer they're in those ag fields eating the hay they're bedding in that first layer of bedding closest to the ag and that that's their daily routine right food to bed food to bed food to bed food to bed when bird season comes around you know shit's gonna get wild right mm -hmm. like you said there's hunters there's bird dogs there's shooting going on there's people everywhere i tend to then look for them in that next layer of bedding correct the next one farthest away they're like you said they're not going to go far they just might not use the bedding they use all because also no one's screwed with them all summer mm -hmm. right because nobody cares about deer yeah. everybody's on the fishing boats catching stripers nobody's thinking about deer so they're comfortable the second shit gets wild all they're going to do is go to the next the next farthest bedding and because they're still going to try and find a local – they know that food source is there. They know the food's there. They're not going to leave that food. Now that's and – and in my opinion well, is that's where they're then daylight – they are nighttime coming into that feed right. because it's longer for them to get from their bedding exactly. to the feed. So they're exactly. – and guys are talking about, oh, I'm only getting nighttime action. I'm only getting nighttime action. Yeah, because you scared them to the next layer. Right in form right so like you're then pushing those deer deeper into the woods so then by the time that they get to the food source where you thought that they've been and you've scouted them for july august yeah they're not going to be there so now you need to go to them and that's where being mobile puts you into that scenario where okay i know that those deer are here at night well how are they getting to there and where are they staging before they get there right and you're just putting the pieces of the puzzle together and once you start to do that 
and you see the sign and you play the sign together, then now you're actively putting yourself in the position to see those deer constantly in the daylight, right? Like it's, it takes a little bit for it all to click in your head, right? And all in your mind, like you can look at maps and start to understand it and this, that, and the other thing. And like, you know, it doesn't really put into mind until you have 15 sits in public land and you don't see a deer. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah. guess what, dude? Now yeah. it's time to change your mindset because. And, and yeah, and it, it also depends on what you're hunting, right? Mm -hmm. If you're yeah. hunting, uh, you know, a 1% caliber, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're trophy hunting. You're, you're after that, that freak one giant buck. Mm hmm that could be a little different, right? You can burn some spots and some, some yeah. weird spots and low population of deer. But if you're going to see a deer, it's going to be the deer. And but sometimes with that though, and sometimes that it's almost better to burn those spots and, and it'll make you kind of better off to find a spot and, and hunt those spots and find out that they're not good spots to check the spots off as bad spots than to check the, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. sometimes you what have I'm, to, right? What I'm, I'm talking about those spots where you, you got, you might sit all day and not see shit, mm -hmm. but if you do see something, it's going to be the one you're after. Mm -hmm. That's a little different, but if you're just deer hunting, you just want to kill a deer, you know, a mm -hmm. doe or spike buck, or if you're not seeing shit, you better move. It's not, don't, don't so sit spot, there day spot. after day after day no. hoping that one day a deer is going to come by. And it, it will happen eventually, you know, <laughs> one's going to wander by. But if you should be on deer just about every sit. And if you're not, move 100 yards and just start picking that public apart to the next layer, to the next layer, to the next. And eventually you're going to find them. It brings up a good point, too. It makes me think of this is that. You know, we talk about it in scrapes, right? Like scrapes and, and spots, right? So we're talking about spots and, and being in the right spot. Well, scrapes are the same way. Like guys are like, oh, I seen a scrape here, so I'm going to hunt this scrape. Well, not every scrape is an active, usable scrape, right? Where like hunting those scrapes, yeah, a deer's probably going to roll by there and you're probably in somewhat of the right area, but not every scrape is a reusable scrape. And I mean this because... Like sometimes when a deer is in motion and moving from spot to spot, from bedding to bedding, and they're going from those spots, they make the scrapes as they territorial get into an area. That scrape might not get hit for another week. You know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to find hub scrapes or communal scrapes or, you know what I'm saying? Where them deer are trafficking constantly. If, if you're sitting in a spot that we are talking about, two seconds ago and you're seeing a ton of deer religiously and then you find scrapes then those scrapes are the scrapes to be hunting but finding a random scrape in the middle of the woods where you're not seeing deer after putting in a sit or two and not you know what i'm saying do you get where i'm coming yeah, from steve i, I guess do. i don't know yeah, how to I mean, say it properly scrapes, i mean the scrapes is such a complex thing we could just start over and do a podcast on scrapes I but know. like i guess the best way to describe it is the 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 scrapes that aren't worth hunting are those little tiny ones that are like you know a foot or two diameter they're usually scrape. like there's usually no licking branch um they're usually not like super clean either there's still a couple leaves in it and mm -hmm. what if you've ever seen a deer make it make one 
is they're cruising through. They're 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 all horned up. They're frustrated. They're looking for does. They're they're cruising through. They stop. They paw the ground three four times and keep yeah. keep moving. He's probably never gonna hit that scrape again. It's just a random you know getting some frustration out. The ones that are worth hunting are usually a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. There's no leaves in it. There's 100% going to be a licking branch, if not two or three Scrapes. different licking branches off of one tree. And it's not just going to appear overnight. It was There was a scrape there last year. Mm-hmm. There was a scrape there the year before. before. There was a scrape the year before that. That's the scrape that's worth hunting because you it's going to be active. It's been active for the, the, the scrape that I was talking about, the one that my Moultrie Edge was on this year. That's probably been a scrape for 15 years. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a permanent scrape. One of the things that that kind of two that kind of stick out for a scrape like that. And and it's funny is we we all have community scrapes that we've been hunting for years. Right. Guys like that. We we do this religiously like a scrape. I live on a scrape right all the time. And one of the things like I hunt scrapes hard and the right scrapes. And I know that there's r- the right scrapes because I put a camera on it and have seven bucks in a night. Like, right. I know that that's the right scrape. But, like, when you roll up to a scrape, and Steve, you you said it this year, dude. Like, he's like, dude, I ran up to the scrape and I pawed the ground and it smelled like pneumonia. Like, it was the <laughs> nastiest thing ever. That's a communal scrape. Like, that's the scrape where it's – there's a difference in ground. Ground level is right. flat and there's a three-inch difference in the ground, that's a communal scrape, and they're giant. And a lot of the times for us in New England is we have a lot of beech trees. So, like, when you run into a hub area where converging um, game trails come in and there's a a beech tree and you see a beech tree and every hanging branch about four feet tall or, you you know, that perfect deer height. Yeah has a scrape underneath it, that's an area you want to hunt because what that means is that there's A, multiple bucks that are going into the area because they're making scrapes all around that beech tree. And you'll see this a lot in different areas too. But there are multiple deer going to that area and one deer that's using the area more than once, right? So they'll come Mm -hmm. in and make a couple different scrapes. Or if you piss them off, you'll make a scrape and then they'll make another scrape next to it underneath that beech tree. So like there's right. certain things that you look for and that's what kind of made me successful this year. Like I would right. I rolled up onto a spot. We were we were e scouting together. Uh I had Steve on dude, it's it's <laughs> October twenty fifth and I am like, bro, I've hunted this spot for now a couple of weeks, shot a doe. And the buck is not I, I the buck should have already been dead. Like in my opinion, at that point, I was in the money, I was on it, I was doing the right thing, and I never seen the buck. And I'm like, something's not right. I need to scout something more. There's I'm hunting the right scrapes. I'm hunting the right areas. Something's not right. So we start e scouting, and we get up onto some features. And I'm like, dude, there's no sign here. And then I start, he's like, just keep going. So I kept going and it was scrape, 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 scrape on a big scrape line all the way up, got up on this flat and there was one big communal scrape on top of it. And I was like, all right, that's the one. There was a break in, in the, uh, in the wall on two sides and there was a scrape in the middle of it. And I go, that's the one. And 
as I sat there, right, and I set that camera, there were seven different bucks the first night that I sat there, uh, that I sat that camera there that night. When I sat there two days later, the when the buck came in, he... I thought you sat it the next morning, no? Uh, no, the morning after. So it sat okay. one night, and then I went in the next morning. Okay, yeah. Um, When that buck arrived, it was on a scrape line, and it was... I thought he was coming from the other area. Uh, the other, I thought he was going to come from the other way, but he came opposite of what I thought. But he made two scrapes coming in, and then finally came in. Well, I didn't let him come to that scrape, but he was working his way in. He made one scrape as he came through the break in the wall on my front right at forty yards. Then he came and he made one in front of me. I didn't even notice it when I was scouting. And then he was then working towards mine as I shot at him. And then he would have worked down the hill onto that scrape line. Because when I had seen him two days after I had shot at him, he came up the hill the way I anticipated him to come, working that scrape line in the opposite direction the way that he came the first time. So, like, it was just crazy, right? So when you find those things, they hit them religiously and work on those scrape lines like they live and die on them scrape lines, like literally live and die on them scrape lines when they're on them. Mm-hmm. In in that the early the early November, they live and die on them scrapes. Or or late late October, right? I mean like you see a lot of bucks that live and die on them scrape lines at the early right. season. <clears throat> Especially you know, on that that tran- that food transition when they like kinda coming off the egg and the, mm-hmm. the acorns are starting to drop. And you go check the oak flats for acorns dropping. If there's fresh scrapes that are just open up, you better hunt it like yeah. right now. While you know, yeah, don't wait right now. But um, I wanted to backtrack a little bit and touch on the point that you kind of were on the beech trees. Scrapes and beech trees in our area go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're scouting and you come on this beautiful oak flat. And there's beech trees, and there's no scrapes. You're not in the right area. <laughs> Look for another beech tree, there, buddy. Yeah. There's beech trees in an oak flat, and there's there will be scrapes under those beech trees. Yeah. If you check the beech trees, if you do not find scrapes, you're on the wrong oak flat. Just go to the next oak flat, and then the next one until you find beech trees with scrapes. That's the spot to be. And I think sometime I could be wrong, but I, I think some people get hung up on how the woods look. Like, oh, this is a beautiful spot. This is a beautiful oak flat. Um, it looks deery, right? Like, this is a beautiful place to kill a buck. And it's just not. If the, the signs either the sign don't lie, right? There's either sign there, or and I, there could be multiple reasons why they're not there. Because there's, there's there'll be oaks, there'll be acorns, mm-hmm. right? At some point, deer are going to use that oak flat. Maybe it's relationship to bedding. Maybe it's relationship to pressure. You know, there could be multiple factors, but if you're on an oak flat with beech trees and there's no scrapes, just go to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> just, you're just wasting your time sitting there. So one of the things, and as we're getting into this postseason scouting and, and something, you know, for you guys to take away from this is, and, and with the beech tree thing, right? When I'm postseason scouting, and like at this time, season's closing. I'm shed hunting with the dog. I'm in the woods. I'm postseason scouting. I'm looking for that rut sign. I'm looking at beech trees, and I'm going. And one of the things with big communal beech tree scrapes, ninety five percent of the time, them big beaches, they will absolutely massacre them. 
where they're hitting the trunks of those beech trees and rubbing on them. The big mature bucks, you'll see it a ton where you're now looking for that, you know, that generational rubbing on and rub in the scraping on those beech trees where they're coming into those beech trees and they're making those scrapes and there's a couple different scrapes and they'll be full of leaves right but you'll see the indentations of them and then on the trunks of those beech trees you will see the rubs on them and they will hit those beech trees i don't know what it is um one of the other things to look for if you guys get into a cedar patch cedar trees Mm. huge big mature bucks man something about cedar trees when you and that's what it was for me and and i know i might be spilling too many beans but spot a for me when we're talking about this someone's gonna know where you're at i don't care come on on yeah go ahead bring it on bro i already got it figured out and i already know what's going on that deer will be dead way before you get there one of the things is I got in there and I found cedar trees. There was a cedar patch. I got in there and these old cedar trees had rubs on them, just generational rubs on them on the, on the cedar trees. And a lot of the times you see with big bucks, man, one thing I've learned from guys that are big mature buck hunters, mature deer in the Northeast love cedar trees. You see it and I saw it when I was doing taxidermy full time. These big mature bucks, when you smell their antlers, they smell like cedars. And I don't know what it is. If you find big mature cedar trees that have been gotten after, they're from mature bucks. Hands down, in my opinion. And so I found those. So beech trees and and cedar trees are the two things that I look for in postseason scouting. If I can find rubs on those trees, now I am now doing the math to figure out how they're getting in there, why that rub line is, where they're coming from, and where they're going, and why why they're there. Um, so as you get into the, the, you know, your shed season and your postseason scouting, those are those things. Those are the starting points. I'm looking for old rubs, old scrapes, and I'm looking for that rut sign that was there in November. I'm now there in February, so I'm two months out, but I know to be back there in November because I know that that's where they're going to be. It's a good starting ground, right? So as you start to get into the season, now you get into those Septembers and you start to go there and the end of September, early October, and those scrapes are starting to open up. Now you know you're in the right spot, right, because they'll start to hit them. And then as the season progresses, if those – they now they start to open up even more and I'm moving around inside of those spots looking for, you know, big scrapes. You know, in in those spots when I'm coming in, I'll just change my avenue just a little bit and I'll see, okay, they're here. Those bucks are working this area. You know what I'm saying? And like they're here and that's what I'm going to keep on hunting. And then you just kind of put it all together, man. And it's just a mapping for you're not going to get lucky on the first first try. It's just a learning experience. And I fucked up so many hunts because of it. But you learn. And one of the things when you get keyed into an area, right, like. That was one of my things, like very low foot traffic this year. And I just like, all my eggs were in one basket. I'm like, okay, he's here. I know he's here. But I don't want to go over that ridge. And I don't want to go over there to find out what's there. Yeah, I could go and hunt it. But like, I don't want to. I'm secure where I am. And like, so that's where the postseason scouting is going to come into effect. Yeah. And you just kind of play it out, man. It's not, you can't do it overnight. Right. Uh, The big 
yeah, the, I'm huge post. Like postseason is my favorite time of the year, to be honest. With you. Even before shed sheds are even yeah. dropped. Like I love to get in there. All those places I avoided during the season and didn't want to overpressure, like picking it apart. But the big thing to do is like you kind of hit on is if you can find historical uh, rut sign, find a kill tree now when there's no leaves on the trees. Think about your winds, your prevailing winds that you're going to get in that late October, November, you know, north, northwest winds. Find kill trees where those winds are going to work on that sign now, January, February, getting into March. Pin them, mark them. You can go back to those trees. You can prep them. You can climb them, whatever, cut shooting lanes, get get it, get those, get all those trees situated. Even if you don't know what's there for a buck, you don't Mm -hmm. even know yet. Right. Right. So then when you drop your camera in say July, when a, when a buck shows up that you want to target, you already know where you can kill him. Mm -hmm. He, once he shows up, you're done. done. You're done. You you already did your scouting. You've already got trees picked out for a deer you didn't know existed. And you do this in multiple areas. Then all you need is for a buck to show up in one of those spots and your homework's done. All you gotta do is wait for the season to start. Now you know it's game over. What I feel like some people get trapped into, I've done it before, happens to everybody, is you do a little bit of scouting, you didn't pick any trees, you didn't prep any trees, um, you just found some sign. You drop your cameras a shooter shows up and you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a giant here. I want to hunt this deer. Well, now you have to go back in there and, and now you have to like preseason scout. You got to find what tree you're going to hang. Um, you, you know, you didn't pin any trees. You're going in blind, which can work. Right. But if you do all that homework before the buck even shows up, it's just a waiting game for the season to start. You already know what tree you're going to go to and it's game on. And that's what you need to do. Oh, well, now that we kind of kind of went off, we went off the rails on it, but I think it was a good topic to set on, to be honest with you, um, because people are kind of getting ready for it. It's the new year, and and what are they going to do for new year, new me, new you, right? Like, how are we going to do it? You know what I'm saying? And I think that it's a good thing, and I hope that someone can take a really good thing about it. Um, I, I'm excited for the new year, man. I think that we have a lot of, as a whole in the outdoor drive, I think we have a lot of really good things coming about that you guys will see as the season starts and progressively comes on and show season is about to be here. We'll start talking about those. We're going to kick it off and do a couple different things um, changing here on the outdoor drive. Like we have a lot of big plans. 2023 was going to be our big year and that did not happen because we just we got kicked in the shins every single time we tried to do something we but you know what it is what it is go ahead stevie sometimes i wonder i think everybody gets kicked in the shins we just open and talk about it i'm not afraid to talk about it right like and and it's kind of you know as you guys all know like you know Everything looks good on the outside. Everything looks yeah. great, man. But oh, yeah, I'll tell you, dude. Butter, <laughs> there's a podcast. There's good things going. The content's out, right? Oh, but like, must, must be nice to have your own podcast, man. I'll tell you this, man. I'll tell you this. If it wasn't for Elmer's glue and wood glue and sawdust, we wouldn't have two by fours, man. It's just the way that it goes, man. Little like, scotch tape. <sighs> 
it's good though. You know what? We're blessed. We're blessed with the opportunity to be here. We're blessed to to have a podcast, to have the friends that we have, the listenership that we have, the the good things that we have going on, and it's just another year, man. You can't shoot your target buck every single year, and that's the way that I look at it is next year's the new year. We're going to shoot that target buck, dude, and we're going to take it to the next level, and we're excited, um, you know, and putting all the things together. And, you know, once again, we can't thank every single one of you guys that listen in every single week and kind of work and work with us and correspond with what's going on as far as like the outdoor drive family on facebook and all the good things that we try to put together i know we've been kind of slacking on it but things have changed for us right and we're gonna we'll still do those things and we have a lot coming on um 2024 is going to kind of set the pace for what what's to come um we have a new business endeavor in the works here um i can't go too much into it we've been working on that for a little bit um but We'll see what ends up happening, but once again, I can't thank every single one of you guys that have supported us throughout the year, and if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a podcast. I mean, that's the truth. What are you smiling about, Stevie? Uh, are you wrapping up? I mean, I can. Uh, I, got, I, just had, I had a question for you. Oh, okay, go ahead. I, was just, I mean, it's the end of the year. It's been a long year, and I was just wondering, Trev, what drives you outdoors? <laughs> Dude, you know what? It never changes for me, right? What drives me outdoors is... <laughs> man um it's still the same thing right but it kind of changes from day to day right the thing that drives me outdoors is the opportunity to be able to do this and and be in the great outdoors every single day of my life right and and surround myself with it whether it's fishing or hunting or trapping or whatever the case may be but the the thing that keeps me going on the most honestly is is this the podcast the camaraderie the friendships the people you know when i hear from or i meet up with somebody and have a conversation right and there's so many times that like i've been just kind of like throw my hands in the air and i'm like you know it's gonna get a little raw um and I'm like, fuck this, dude. I don't want to have a podcast. I don't want to have a YouTube page. I'm sick and tired of filming. I'm sick and tired of podcasting. This fucking sucks. It's a lot of work. You know, Stress. it's it's stressful as shit. Trying to get people, trying to add it all up. And everybody thinks it's easy. And the jealousy that comes along with it. And the bullshit. And the people talking crap. There's a lot of that that goes on. And I don't let it, I don't let it get any, I don't let it get into my skin, right? I just think about it, and sometimes it pisses me off, and I'm like, I don't know why the fuck I even do this, right? Mm. And then I get a message from somebody, and somebody says to me, Trev, you know, you said something the other day on the podcast, man, and it made me successful in the outdoors. Or, or hey, man, you know, it's really cool that you did this, and, and you know, I'm going to come fishing with you, and I get to spend the time with them on the boat or whatever the case may be, man. And those those little things they kind of just shut out the rest of the bullshit that comes along with it, right? And it's just like, that's why I do it. That's what drives me to keep doing this is is the is the people and the friendships and, and the heartache that come along with it. Like, there's so many good things that come along with everything when you do this. And, like, you know, it's funny is my girlfriend was – you know, she's a bartender, right? And there was a couple, of, and this is kind of crazy and kind of stupid, but um, she she works at a bar, right? And some of my friends came into the, 
acquaintances come into the bar and they're sitting at the bar and you know it's it's tough sometimes like to kind of like describe like what we do right like nobody ever really understands like why we do what we do or what drives us right and so these kids were sitting down there a little bit younger than me the local dudes or whatever and i had just left and uh she came home and she was like you know it, it's really it's really cool to hear you know other people talk about you and i'm like what are you talking about she's like you know after you left them boys were talking about you on how like you travel all the time you're constantly hunting you're going to all these shows you're amazing fishermen all this stuff and you know it's really cool to hear that and i'm like what are you really like they said that what did they say so she went into detail on it and i'm like you know that's why i do it because you change that person's perspective right and they're gonna go out and they're gonna go and do it like and i've seen it over the years right where like i went and i public land hunted in the midwest or i went and i sick hunted or i went and did this or i went and did that because i wanted to do it and then there was a ton of other people that kind of realized that it's not that hard or it's very achievable to be able to do it and you kind of like set that precedence and it just makes you want to do it even more, I guess, right? Like, if that makes any sense. Because, like, there's days that I just, like, I'm like, fuck this. This sucks, dude. Like, this <laughs> <other day>. sucks, <laughs> man. Like, this sucks. You know, and you get shit. Or, you know, one of the people that kind of stick out to me is Ken D, man. Yeah. You know, hugely. Ken will text me, man. Hey, Merry Christmas. Like, bro, he don't owe me nothing. Like, he's just a good dude, genuinely, who's a listener of the podcast who, you know, or ask me, hey, man, I seen this buck in this field. Like, where do you think that he would be or where, you know what I'm saying? And like asking my opinion, like, bro, who the fuck am I? Like, I'm nobody. I'm nobody. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I guess that's what yeah. drives me, man. It's just the people, the camaraderie, the friendships, the people that I've been able to hunt with and fish with and travel with and, and learn from. You know, like, that's what drives me. How about you, bro? I know it's very long-winded, but I guess uh, New Year's, I guess we can do that, right? 100%. Oh, so mine doesn't change a whole lot either, but I think it did change this year. So normally my answer would be – my big answer on a personal level is the challenge, right? Mm -hmm. I like to endure and put myself through as much misery as I possibly can. Of course you do. And that's why I choose to hunt the way I choose to hunt. That's why I choose to hunt the properties that I hunt and I chase the deer that I hunt because I want it as hard as possible. Um, because, I mean, even in today's day and age, life's pretty easy like we bitch and moan about the economy sucks and it's expensive to live and everything so you know like work and life and how hard it is dude life's easy in 2023 there's food at the grocery store there's money in the bank you, you know you're not going out and you know you don't have to hunt to survive you, you know your success whether you have a successful hunt or not doesn't mean you're going to starve you can you can go to the uh mcdonald's and get some chicken nuggets right but I just think it's a, it's important as human beings to to challenge yourself every day. And there's nowhere I can find more of a challenge than trying to chase big mature deer with the bow. But now, after is my battery gonna die? Hold on one sec. 
pause this. Don't. I just gotta plug this in. Hold on. Sorry, guys. What happened, dude? You're in the middle of a conversation, Stevie. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> this is what we get. You're in the intellectual. What drives you outdoors, Steve? And this is what you decided to do. Come on. My my computer wasn't plugged in. Oh my I'm not god. Guy. All right, I'm back. Um, but now it's you know I'm new to the podcast, right? It's been what a year and a couple months mm -hmm. so this is all new to me you've been doing it for a long time and like you said it's not easy it looks easy on the outside as a listener as a follower you know every every week you get the press play and listen to the podcast and you know not to get too deep into it and have like a pity party but like there's a lot of coordination that goes on behind the scenes there's a lot of planning and lining up guests and who we're going to get next week and and that's on top of work and regular life and all that stuff. But like you said, when you go to a show, Kendy's a perfect example. I met Ken at the Springfield show last year. I didn't know who he was. You knew who he was. I didn't. And he comes over with the biggest smile and he's like, Madman, what's up? And I'm like, Hey, who the fuck are you? Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're just, they, people just want to tell you their story, show you their success bring up things that you said on the podcast and i'm like i don't i said that <laughs> like yeah are you sure <laughs> and it's, it's it's humbling but at the same time it's a reminder of why you do it because you know it's easy for us to just jump on the computer on a on a you know thursday night hit record put you know and talking to a microphone and just talk shit and have fun you forget there's people that actually listen and when you meet those people and you share stories with them and pictures, and remember we were at Mohegan Sun and that little kid wanted their picture taken with us? Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, like I said, I'm new to this. Why does this this kid wants a picture with me? Like, who who am I? Like, I'm, like you said, I'm a nobody. But, you know, those are the days where you're like, that's why we do this. That's what, you know what I mean? And like you said, the days where it gets very frustrating and there's other things going on in life that, you know, arguably could be more important than, than this. Mm -hmm. And you want to just say, screw it. Like this isn't even worth it anymore. Something like that happens and reminds you why you do it and why it is worth it. And what and it's why, for. why we're not going to stop. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think there's a better way to end the podcast, Stevie, but, um, Bro, why don't you close this out this week? Well, just want to say thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a happy new year. We will we will see you next year. And everybody, thanks for taking the ride right here. Nice little job.